Hide your kids. Lock the doors. You're listening to HR's most dangerous podcast. Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman are here to punch the recruiting industry right where it hurts. Complete with breaking news, brash opinion, and loads of snark. Buckle up, boys and girls. It's time for the Chad and Cheese Podcast. Oh, yeah. What's up, everybody? It's your favorite meatheads, a.k.a. the Chad and Cheese Podcast. The Cult Brand Series. I'm your co-host, Joel Cheeseman. Joined, as always, the Maurice and Robin to my berry, Chad Sowash and Julie Callie, president at recruitmentmarketing.com. Everybody, welcome to the Chad and Cheese podcast. We are happy to welcome, holy cow, HubSpot is in the house. Everyone welcome Ashley Giroux, senior manager, employer brand at HubSpot. Ashley, welcome. Thanks so much. Just for the record, I want to be Andy, okay? Let's just put that out there. That's fine. Uh, (laughs) You know what he did with his life, right? Uh, Anyway. That's fine. So more important things, I know Julie is chomping at the bit. In doing my research about you, Ashley, I I see that you went to Appalachian State University. (laughs) I did. This is not how I thought we were going to get started, but I did, yeah. So more importantly, you were a student there when... Appalachian State beat the then number five, number yeah. five football team in the country. 2007, you went into Ann Arbor and beat the Wolverines by a score of 34 to 32 on September 1st. Yep. So I just want to get the coolest thing out of the way. Oh, my God. Yes, I was there. That was a big day. Uh, I bet it was a big day. Jesus. Did you burn some couches? Did you like <laughs> what happened? I actually, I was at a bar watching it and we just went, cause why not? No one is actually expecting us to win. And then we won and it was just, it was just pandemonium cause everybody was just so shocked and oh, it's a great day. I can tell you that Chad and I, as big Buckeye fans, remember uh, that day, and we yes. were just as happy as it might have been. A, it might have been a bigger day for you guys, to be honest. <laughs> it might have been. It might have been because we still bring it up when we see yeah. Wolverine friends. I bet you do. Okay, sorry about that. All right, Ashley. For those few listeners that don't know HubSpot, yeah, tell us about HubSpot and, and maybe a little bit about you. Sure. Yeah. So for those who don't know HubSpot. Uh, HubSpot's a CRM platform. Uh, we're the number one CRM platform for scaling businesses. We have about 100 and what's the latest tally? 150,000 customers across 120 countries. So our goal is to really create uh, crafted solutions for our customers that are really driven by their feedback and works uh, for the ways that they need to grow. But yeah, I've been at HubSpot since October. Uh, prior to that, I guess almost a year. Wow. Prior to that, I led the global employer brand team at a company called Red Hat, which is now owned by IBM. And then prior to that, I spent about 10 plus years in the B2B marketing agency space. So I come from a brand strategy B2B background. So only 150,000 clients. You guys are just getting started, I guess, huh? Okay. Yeah, oh, that's awesome. baby steps. Baby steps. You know, we're just really taking our time. Just <laughs> taking it taking it easy. I'm one of them. <laughs> awesome. Julie, would you like to do the honor of asking the first question? Oh, well, I will say I have been a huge fan of HubSpot for so long in my career. I can barely remember when it was not an influence. And that's because it's always put out such great content for marketers, marketers in general, how to create great landing pages, how to turn them into conversion, and then how to work them into you know a CRM and then give them relevant content. There's always been such great material out there to learn. But this is such a great topic because these same practices that HubSpot is so great at are every 
everything that people in recruitment are hungry for. So that's why I was like so excited to talk with you today. Did you see that same opportunity and get excited by that the same way, like coming over to HubSpot? Oh, absolutely. You know, HubSpot, especially if we're talking in the employer brand space, if you look at tech companies that are doing employer brand really well, HubSpot has always been a little bit of a pioneer in a lot of ways in employer brand. And as somebody who was working at a different tech company, uh, kind of the gold standard in a lot of ways. And so for me, it was a really exciting opportunity to come in to really see what are the practices that we were using that were pulled from our traditional marketing at HubSpot? What are the opportunities, especially as the recruiting landscape has changed? How do we kind of evolve, not only as a company, what we're doing kind of in the brand space, but also as an employer brand and how those things are connected. It's it's a really interesting challenge and it's a really interesting time to be at a company like HubSpot. Yeah, I can imagine because you know, HubSpot is so great at the marketing component for and being flexible for so many different types of businesses, but recruitment is a very different <laughs> animal. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the potential there is huge. Yeah. And then here you are working at the company that has such strong competency in marketing. And now you just need to apply to employer brand and recruitment. Yeah. So what, what specifics can you give us? I mean, as a marketing company, you, you get to kind of cheat a little bit, right? You, you get to put embed code on the career site. You have I get a drip campaigns, your social media advertising. Like, Give us the top two or three things that a lot of companies don't do because they're not a marketing software provider that you would recommend um, sort of using that's worked really well for you? Yeah, that's a great question. I think the number one thing that has worked really well for HubSpot from an employer brand perspective is that we run our team as a content marketing machine. We don't run our team uh, as a recruiting function. That is our number one stakeholder, but we run it as a traditional content marketing machine in partnership with teams like our brand marketing teams who live in a different part of the company. But that allows us to really lean on traditional marketing principles to drive our work forward. So it's all about right content to the right audience over the right channel at the right time. And that's just, that's a pure marketing principle, no matter what audience audience you're talking to. And so we lean into that. And that's why you see us pump out so much content through our social media channels, our career sites, through our media teams. We're constantly pumping out new and relevant content. And that is absolutely in line with who we are as a company and what we talk about with our customers. Well, that's awesome. The big question is, who do you report to? Do you report to marketing or do you report to HR? Yeah, that that is the million dollar question. And no matter who you ask, the answer is probably different. So uh, we are, we're in uh, the HR function at HubSpot. I don't report in through recruiting. I actually report directly into our chief people officer as a separate function. Uh, but our number one stakeholder is recruiting. And I work, uh, our whole team has deep partnerships with recruiting leadership, because if you're not aligned to those goals, then you're not impactful as an ED team. Obviously, working very closely with marketing, I would assume. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Especially, you know, there's kind of two ways we work with marketing. Number one is just, hey, from a company brand perspective, like we did a brand relaunch earlier this year, we wanted to make sure we knew what was going on there strategically where they're headed in terms of how they're promoting HubSpot as a brand, because we want to make sure that from an employer brand perspective, that it's authentic, right? When we're talking about the company and the experience, but then also just from a tactical delivery perspective, we really lean on our brand and marketing teams to help us create templates, make sure things are branded. And that team is really wonderful in terms of getting us what we need. So we can work pretty autonomously. We use Canva, which is like the dream machine. And so for us, our marketing teams, they get us the messaging, the templates, the assets that we need. And then we're able to pump out stuff and move really quickly and autonomously, which is key in employer brand especially in a market right now where you have to, you have to move fast. Some of the things that speaking of content, th- some things that stood out to me as I was uh, visiting your career site is 
you have things like, you know, what is it like to work here? Which, wow, how revolutionary that that should happen. But I think a lot of companies don't do it. You have an actual page dedicated to what it's like to work there. You talk about the importance of diversity um, on your careers page and have documentation on that. And then uh, some, you know, things around ESG and, and, you know, I don't think with you that they're just sort of topics du jour. It, it sounds like it's stuff that you guys really lean on with your recruitment and maybe even as well as your retention. Why were those things sort of targeted and what was the thought around actually providing content around these these three areas? Yeah, and this is the type of stuff that we partner really closely with our communications team teams on. We have a separate ESG team. We have a hybrid team. We have a culture team. All of those teams come together. We are a highly collaborative function by just the nature of what we do. But you know, for us, the number one, the most important thing for everything that we push out is authenticity, because we've all been in situations where we have interacted with content from a company, and then we get into an interview process, and we kind of realize it's a little bit of, of a bait and switch. We wanted to make sure that we weren't doing that. And the easiest way for us to do that is to operate with what I call like radical transparency. And everything's out there for you to see. Including salaries. Including salaries now, which that is something that is relatively new too. We want to show the comp bands of every of every US role right now. Yeah. And just so it's not only about what works for us at HubSpot, it's what works for you as a candidate. And is this the right fit for both of us? But you know, things like our diversity report that we put out every year, that report is not always shiny. And it's not meant to be this big, shiny thing. It's meant to be very authentic and transparent about what we're doing and, and the needles that we have moved and where we have work to do. And we're very upfront about that. And uh, that's something that resonates with candidates when they're looking for the next step in their journey. That honesty, that transparency, and kind of that values-driven approach tends to work best for us. So I, I see that you guys use video pretty much all over the place, which is awesome. But but you have like a video embedded. I'm just on this inbound growth specialist job, uh, job posting, and there is a video right beside it. I would assume this is the hiring manager at this point. Is this the hiring manager that you guys actually put on the job? Uh, descriptions themselves? Sometimes it depends. Uh, it honestly depends on the hiring manager and, and uh -huh. you know, how involved that they want to be. But that's all done through ISIM's video suite if we want to get technical about the tools. Uh, but we have a huge library behind the scenes of um, HubSpotters across the org, whether they're hiring managers or they're doing that role themselves or they're part of the team. Uh, some of that is unique to the role. You know, we'll we'll hit a hiring manager and say, "Hey, let's put you on this." Other times, it's we have a repository of people who are doing that job and talking about that experience that we can use. So it really just depends on what we have. But yeah, we try really hard to to lean on video um, and to lean on the real experiences of people who are doing the job. Again, pulling all the way pulling that all back through to this idea of authenticity. So when it comes to to video and using video, do you, do you see that you actually get more engagement and more applications when you, you use that content or does it really matter? Yeah, it matters. Now, it, does it matter that it's video? I don't know. But it certainly matters when we're putting content out that is specific to the experience of the role, whether that is the video on the page or it is a careers blog that we put up about that specific role. Uh, anytime we can make it as specific as possible, it makes a big difference. And we continue to invest in things like Ison's Video Suite and video tools because we do see an uptick in engagement when we're able to serve that type of content. I will highlight as well, um, I actually applied to a job um, and research for this call. As After you apply to a job, you get an automated email, which has a video, it looks like, from the founders or executives at the company and talking about the company. So yes, Chad is right. You guys use video, but you use it through the entire funnel 
of the process of applying to a job, which which I think which I think is great. Yeah, no, I saw the video and the job descriptions, and um, I was really curious. Are you seeing down funnel improvements? Are you getting better quality? Yeah, absolutely. I think whenever we can put up front um, and be very uh, very transparent and open about what the job actually is and what the experience is, we tend to get better quality down funnel than when we just kind of, uh, when we're just sourcing in general, because typically the people who are applying have a good sense of what they're applying to. I think when you look at a job description, we've all been there. It sounds good. It sounds nebulous enough to think that I'm qualified. I think it could be cool. Like you don't, sometimes you don't really know, but when someone's sitting there kind of telling you exactly, this is what my day's like, and this is what is a good fit for our team it does kind of shuffle some out who can acknowledge that I'm not a good fit for this or this isn't a good fit for me. A lot of companies sort of shy away from, I guess, uh, branding that might be considered um, a little bit political or one side or the other. But but you guys seem to be fairly open around, um, you know, there, there's photos of, of you guys at a gay pride uh, parade. On your job descriptions, I believe, I mean, you're very upfront around a uh, disability statement Talk about the impact of that, whether whether it be pro or negative in some cases, um, what that's meant to your recruitment, but also uh, maybe more importantly, your retention at HubSpot. Yeah, I mean, we we prioritize being a great place to work for all. And that is not something that we say. That is something that is built into the DNA of who we are as a company. You know, from a personal perspective, I'm a member of the LGBTQ plus community, and it was really important for me when I was making a move to find a company where that didn't feel performative. And I would say HubSpot more than any other company I've ever worked at, how we support um, different diversity dimensions and the idea of inclusivity is paramount to everything we do in a way I've never experienced anywhere else. And so it's really important to us that we show that in ways that that we show it and we don't just say it. And so that's why you do see us at things like Boston Pride, for example, Boston is our US headquarters. You see our global initiatives around things like Disability Pride Month that was in July and the employer brand team, we are the external marketing team for all things DIB. And so that is absolutely paramount to how we present ourselves as a company because that's absolutely paramount to how we operate. And, and I have to point this out, Chad, because we talk about this a lot on the show. Their executive team actually walks the walk. They are a very diverse executive team. So applause for uh, for HubSpot on that one. Julie? No, I lo- you know, love hearing and, and showing it too. But a lot of work, you mentioned having culture teams and CSR teams. Are these all part of the employer brand team? Because I know employer brand can support attracting candidates, but it also has a lot to do with the employee's experience. So where does that live in the organization? Yeah. So at HubSpot, we have a separate culture team, and that is led by an amazing group of individuals whose entire charge is to really enhance and grow and sustain our really award-winning employee experience. But we have to work really closely with that team to make sure that what we are pushing out from, from an employer brand perspective matches the experience that someone's going to have when they come. Because otherwise, it you've essentially just bait and switched people and people will leave, especially in this market right now where they have options. So it's really important that we work with our culture team, our communications teams, um, our hybrid work teams to really make sure that everything we're talking about um, is 
is as specific as it can be because everybody's talking about things like hybrid work and what that means for culture right now. But the experience of that and how it shows up at HubSpot, I do think is unique. But how do you show that is is the the real challenge that we have as an employer brand team. Okay, so real quick, we I, just digging into the uh, diversity report. I mean, one thing that we're seeing is. All of these companies are saying that, you know, they're they're obviously talking the talk, but they're not walking the walk. Like HubSpot is actually demonstrating good, bad, or indifferent transparency around the actual demographics of your workforce composition. So question, when you got there, was was this already done? Was this something that they had already embraced? If so, awesome. But I mean, how did how did how did that come to fruition? Because most companies, they like to back away from the table. There's way too much risk there for them. Yeah. So this is, I believe, our fourth annual diversity report. I someone's gonna fact check me on that. That might not be right. But that's something that we've we've been doing for years. And so that was well underway when I joined and something that we have really tried hard to have baseline data and grow from. And every year we're adding new data. So the report from 2022 has even more data than the year before. Um, and there's certainly parts of, of that that we're super proud of. You know, we are at near gender parity, you know, 50-50 company-wide. I think it's like 53% men fifty or 47% women or something like that, which is great. In the tech sector, that's amazing. And you break, we break that down even further by what we call pillars. So by our product engineering group, by our sales group. Um, and there's certainly work to do depending on on kind of how you want to slice and dice that data. And to your point, we're really upfront about that. Like here's where we've we've really seen an uptick and here's where we have more work to do. And then here's what we're going to do to do that, which I think is the missing piece that we see a lot with other companies is you may have companies that acknowledge this is the work we have to do, but we put a stake in the ground to what we're actually going to do. And then we measure ourselves on that in the next report in a very transparent way. So this is what drew you there, really, is that they were so upfront and I mean, out front and transparent about how they felt about diversity and equity, inclusion, and belonging. Yeah, certainly that was part of it for me. I mean, there were there were several different factors. But yeah, I mean, like I said, for me as part of, of the LGBTQ plus community, I mean, I wanted to make sure that that it was a company who was who was walking the walk and who was who not only believed in that idea of inclusivity, but but that it was, and it wasn't just one team doing that work. I mean, at HubSpot, it's it's connected into everything that we do. It's part of our listed goals as teams. How are we leaning into DI and B and what are we doing to help the organization move forward in that way? And that's a really powerful thing for a lot of people that you just don't see everywhere, especially I would say in the tech sector. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transform where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube. Yeah, it's fantastic. You talk a lot about teams. How big is the team exactly? My team right now? The marketing team, yeah. Because I'm sure a lot of companies are listening to this going like, we don't have this kind of resource at our fingertips. How how big is the team real quick? So the employer brand team, we are six strong, including myself, and we are a global team. So we have uh, four people in the US and two people in EMEA, um, one in Dublin and one in Berlin. And then we are part of the larger kind of, of HR org. Yeah, we're a six person team, which is 
relatively large. Uh, the team, I, yeah, the team I led at Red Hat was about that size as well. But yeah, I mean, I, I talked to a lot of people in EB who are like one one man strong, and they're just trying to figure out how to how to get it started because employer brand is still a relatively new space. If you look in the grand scheme of things, and I would say it's really kind of taken off in the past year or two with the changes in the talent market. Uh, but yeah, we have a we have a, a fairly large team by by most comparisons. I also think the th- a thing that really pushed that even you know going further back. Um, was employee review sites. And you guys have really sort of gone all in on, you know, Glassdoor. Um, it's on your homepage on the career site. You know, you're pretty uh, visible about different awards that you've got from Glassdoor. Talk about that strategy and its importance. And additionally, into Glassdoor, I mean, uh, you guys are on in her site, which is, for those who don't know, an employee review site for women, almost 900 reviews, which most people don't even know what in her site is. So for you guys to have that kind of penetration, was that a strategy? Is that by accident? And then also talk about your your opinion on the future of employee reviews. Is it going to be Glassdoor for the next decade? Or do you see things like TikTok becoming more influential? Those are two really great questions. I think, you know, from the review site perspective, we are really fortunate to have an associate population, we call them HubSpotters, who are brand champions and not just brand champions from a, like a tool perspective and just the company, but also champions of loving working at HubSpot. We don't have to uh, do too much to get them to write reviews. We remind them, we do a couple pushes for Glassdoor and Comparably, for example, to make it as easy as, as we can. We do widgets and Slack for them where they just click a few buttons and it's done. So we do have a strategy for how can we make it easy? How can we make it consistent? But we're also fortunate enough that it's not something, it's kind of a self-sustaining thing in a lot of ways because we are fortunate enough to have associates who want to talk about working at HubSpot. Now, how, uh, how do I think review sites are going to uh, work in the future? You know, I think Glassdoor is always going to be a biggie. It's still where most people go. Uh, but I also think there's comparably is popping up as well. There's also, to your point, TikTok, there's Blind, there's all of these different sites where people are starting to chatter about the experience of working at companies outside of what I would call more formal review sites. And I think that's the stuff that we're keeping our eye on right now to really think, okay, what is the chatter like by people who want to work here and they're talking about a recruiting process, people who have left, people who want to have kind of more private conversations. And we want to make sure that when those conversations are being had, that they match what people are doing more formally in a review and that they match kind of what we're hearing from our associates. And I think that is, that's an area that we have maybe like just started to dip a toe in um, because it is kind of, these sites are kind of popping up left and right. Amazing. So uh, let's get into the process a little bit, but on the candidate side, the actual people who are interacting with your brand. Now, Joel went ahead and he applied for a job. Definitely going to get hired, by the way. (laughs) I'll put in a good word for you. You should have come to me. I would have given you a referral link. We could have figured it out. Please do that. That would be great. So data data demonstrates that over 90% of applicants on, on, on most career sites that are out there today actually eject before completing the application just because the application process sucks for the most part. And then if they do complete, they find themselves into a, in a black hole. Now, they might have gotten an email or something like that to say thank you for applying, but they still find themselves in a black hole and they don't know where they are in the process. And this is all about experience, right? And this is, this is really impacting many companies' brands out there. How do you at HubSpot actually focus on the application process and 
the non-black hole process? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, I think for me, uh, employer brand has happened in a silo. It has to happen in conjunction as part of a larger candidate journey, which to me, the candidate journey is like an infinity loop, right? Like you have candidates who you're trying to attract. If all goes well, they're in the interview process. They convert, they're onboarded. At some point, they're going to leave the company, become alumni, and probably maybe hopefully circle back around and maybe boomerang back in. And so to me, it's kind of an infinity loop. And so when I'm thinking about what we're doing from a brand perspective, if that's not pulled through by a positive candidate experience through things like the communications you get, or the application is, you know, 50 pages long, and you're just having to upload a resume and then retype everything like that type of stuff. Like, if we're getting fall off there, then I can do top of funnel talent attraction stuff all day long. But if 90% of people aren't converting because the process is difficult, or that part of the journey is off, then we're wasting a lot of time and resources that aren't impactful. And so that's where we really work with teams like our recruiting ops team to really understand, okay, what is our candidate journey? What is What are the communications that they're getting? What is the cadence of that? What is the messaging? What are the assets that you need to make sure that all of that is pulled through? Like I said, we have separate teams who really own and run that. But if we don't work with that team, we, we have no idea if, if we're even, if our efforts are even impactful because measurement of employer brand is, is really tricky too, because we measure our content through traditional marketing metrics, really. It's very top of funnel, likes, clicks, shares, engagements. But to equate that to kind of butts and seats at the end of that journey is dotted at best. We'll say it's correlated, not causal. So we have to make sure that we're aware of what that journey is. And if there's a breakdown in that journey, or if there's an opportunity to enhance that, we have to make sure that we're able to call that out and pull that through. Do you have specific metrics that you look at? Or are there specific metrics the company brings to you and say, we want to approve these? I kind of look at two separate uh, groups of metrics. First, I just look at what I would call traditional marketing metrics to see if our content is effective. Are we getting the engagement we want? Uh, are the channels we're using effective? All the same ways of really a traditional brand marketing campaign. And then there's recruiting data that I want to look at, not because I can make some solid line connections, but that's the data that has to inform our strategy overall. So for example, if I'm looking at um, conversion rates and I see, I'm going to make this up for the sake of conversation, but I see that we are converting uh, engineers, mid to senior engineers uh, in the Bay Area. We just can't convert them for whatever reason, whether that's uh, opportunity or comp or whatever, but we're doing a really great job converting on the East Coast. I'm going to put my time and my money and my resources as an EB strategist on the East Coast because that's what the data is telling me we can convert. And so when we're looking at data, that's how we tend to use data. But we really have to do a lot of internal um, communication, particularly to leaders who are unaware of the difference between employer brand and recruiting, to say, hey, this video rollout that we, we're going to do, we're not going to be able to say this video hired five people. That's just not how this works. And so there's a lot of figuring out what data can actually be connected versus what do we use strategically. I love uh, the point about data, and I don't think a lot of companies utilize it as, as much as possible. Chad and I talk a lot about companies, vendors, new solutions are coming into view that are dedicated to keeping the old candidates fresh. My guess is you guys would do a better job at keeping sort of a constant contact with your past applicants as probably anybody. Can you talk about that strategy of keeping in contact with folks that have applied in the past and maybe moving them into uh, you know, candidates of the present? Yeah, I think the topic of really what we're talking about there is like pipelining and how do you continue to communicate with your pipelines? And I think there's some companies that are that do that better than others. I think we do a great job at that. And I think 
a lot of that, and I, I don't want to speak on behalf of my recruiting partners, but I, I will for a moment. Uh, I think a lot of that is the expectation at HubSpot is that we, because we are, you know, we are a CRM company that is built to communicate regularly, that we pull those same practices into how we recruit. And yes, we have templates and we have communications and we have things that are automated, but we also are a high touch recruiting organization. And so we're constantly um, working with our recruiting teams from an EB perspective to say, okay, hey, what are you seeing? Like, what's the boots on the ground conversations you're having? What are candidates caring about? Okay, here's some messaging and content that you can use organically to keep people engaged, particularly if you find a candidate that is a good fit for the company, but may not be a good fit for the role or the timing wasn't right or whatever. Our recruiting teams are doing a lot of that organic kind of high touch engagement. And it's our job to make sure they have refreshed content that's relevant to do that. You, I imagine that you have many recruiters in your organization trying to hire for many roles. Are they all in line with a number fighting for <laughs> your attention? Are you trying to feed all of them at once? I, I mean, how do you even support such a large organization that probably has such a great desire for that material? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think to be transparent, we're still figuring some of that out. I think, you know, we have scaled as a company in a major way in the past year one to two years. And that includes our recruiting org. Our recruiting org has grown exponentially. And so we're really focused as a team on moving from one-to-one solutions to one-to-many solutions. And a lot of that is uh, creating sustainable and repeatable programs, uh, template work, making sure that recruiters are also armed with guidance and the tools that they need to create their own content when they need to. Um, because we are so top of funnel, when we're talking like team and role specific content, we are not creating that on a one-to-one basis, but we are looking at how we can create a grab and go solution for a recruiter who, to the earlier conversation we had, wants to send a candidate, a group of candidates, a video from the hiring manager. How do we create that video? How do they do that on their own? So it's really arming them with consistent branded and kind of QA'd materials to do some of that lifting on their own so we can focus on the larger kind of more enterprise-wide one-to-many solutions. You touched on how much the world has changed in the past few years, and and that's, you know, putting it lightly. Uh, A lot of your jobs are labeled as remote. Talk about your work from home, company uh, strategy. How does employer branding and, and how you sort of connect with a work from home or remote workforce change the game. And you also have a, a lot of global um, uh, global locations. How does employment branding sort of get customized or does it get standardized uh, regardless of where the office is? That's a big question. I'm going to tackle it in parts. It's what we do on the show, Ashley. <laughs> I, appreciate, I appreciate you for it. You know, I think at the beginning, uh, HubSpot has always had part of our workforce working remotely. It wasn't a new thing uh, when the pandemic hit, but pretty early on in the pandemic, and I wasn't even at HubSpot at the time, the company doubled down on the idea of hybrid, that we could get our work done and we could really um, do great work for our customers no matter where we were located. And so we started to move from a hub location format into a more hybrid approach. And so every employee, when they come to work at HubSpot, you have a choice. You can be an in-office employee, which means 90% of your time is spent in an office. Uh, You can be a flex employee, which means clearly you can flex between office and home, or you can be a remote employee. I'm 100% remote. I'm based in Raleigh, North Carolina. There is not a HubSpot location in Raleigh, North Carolina. But every employee has the power to choose that and to evolve that preference as, as kind of their location and what they want changes. So from an employer brand perspective, when we're talking about hybrid, this is one of the situations where it becomes super important that we are working in lockstep with our culture and employee experience team. Because how hybrid shows up at HubSpot has to be led 
like how we communicate that has to be led by what it actually looks like. And I think HubSpot has done a phenomenal job of really walking the walk there. And we talked about D, D, I, and B, uh, diversity, inclusion, and belonging as an area that was important to me. Right up there was what it meant to work remotely for a company. I had never worked remotely before pre-pandemic. I never thought I wanted to. I was an in-office soldier. I liked it. I liked that energy. And so for me, going to a company that really prioritized hybrid, um, not just in a you-can-work-from-wherever-you-want kind of way, but here are the tools, here are the programming, here's how we stay connected, here's how we embrace our remote employees and our in-office employees in a way that's consistent to create culture no matter where you are. Those things are really important to HubSpot as a company, which makes my job easier, quite frankly, from how we market it, because it's making, it's just externalizing what we're actually doing. Yeah, I think that's wonderful. What advice would you give to companies that are aspiring to be that? Aspiring to be a like a successful hybrid company? Well, it, you know, companies want to do more for diversity, equity, and inclusion. They, they they, see the value in that. Certainly, there's many trying to find a way to communicate that to become more diverse in their recruitment marketing. And they're, they're wondering, like, well, do I just start telling people that in my job descriptions? Like, how do I actually do that? You know, being someone who made choice and actually works in an organization and employer brand, is there any advice you'd give to companies to really make that message more sincere? Yeah, absolutely. I think I think the first thing is to really take take stock in what that what the experience is for diverse individuals at your company and own that. If you're working at a company where your diversity metrics aren't great, then you can't shout from the rooftops that they are. So I think you have to be really honest about where you are as a company. For us, the way that we uh, find success in, in telling our story, yes, we have the diversity report. And yes, we have specific things that we do to tell to talk about those efforts. But for me as an employer brand practitioner, I don't have projects and then diversity projects. Every project I have should feel diverse. Every face that we show, every story we tell, every message that we're sending should be rooted in what diversity means to the organization. And so, you know, I get that question a lot. Like, what, what are, you know, what, it, what does HubSpot do to market, you know, diversity and inclusion? And, and I think for us, it's everything that we do should be rooted in that because as a company, we're rooted in that and we believe really strongly in that. And so when we're putting together our content strategies for the month, we're looking to make sure that we have representation from from all of the groups and also age diverse, age diversity, by the way, gender diversity. Um, those are things that we're looking at from a content perspective to make sure that it feels authentic and that it feels compelling. Those old bastards like Joel's in there. <laughs> we we, we got to have the Joel's, you know, the Joel's have to show up. Too. Hell yeah, you do. Hell yeah, you do. <laughs> the part yeah. is just the showing up and then the napping. Anyway, this is Ashley Giroux, everyone. Ashley if listeners want to find out more about you, I don't know, maybe even take a look at uh, what HubSpot's doing, uh, where would you send them? Well, if you want to know more about me, go to my uh, LinkedIn. You can find everything about me there. Please reach out. We'd love to connect for HubSpot. Connect with our HubSpot Life channels. We're on Instagram. We're on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, Instagram, I think, is the one uh, that serves up the most content that's probably uh, exciting and relevant to the audience. But please follow us. Check out what we're doing. Comment. Uh, send me a note if you think there's something we uh, that you love or something that you think we should be doing. I'd love to hear it. Thanks for your time, Ashley. Excellent. Julie, Chad, another one in the can. Michigan fans, suck it. We out. We out. Thank you for listening to, what's it called? The podcast. The Chad. The Cheese. Brilliant. They talk about recruiting. They talk about technology. But most of all, they talk about nothing. 
Just a lot of shout-outs of people you don't even know, and yet you're listening. It's incredible. And not one word about cheese. Not one. Cheddar. Blue. Nacho. Pepper Jack. Swiss. So many cheeses, and not one word. So weird. Anywho, be sure to subscribe today on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And while you're at it, visit www.chatcheese.com. Just don't expect to find any recipes for grilled cheese. It's so weird. We out! The Jim Stroud Podcast explores the discoveries and trends forming the future of our lives. Brain-to-brain communication, robot bosses, microchip implants for workers, and artificial intelligence replacing human workers are all happening now. If you want to know what's happening next, subscribe now to the Jim Stroud Podcast.